Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you and enjoy. All right, so Revelation, the purpose of Revelation is to help followers of Jesus know what to expect in the future. We've added all kinds of things to the scripture. Lately, it seems like everything political, we want to attach it to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying in Revelation chapter 2 is he's saying, I want you to clear away all that stuff. I want you to get rid of all that stuff, but don't get rid of me. Hey, good morning, Mosaic. How y'all doing? Awesome. Awesome. So glad to see y'all. Welcome to the rowdy crowd on this side over here. Live stream, I know that you can hear them. I know you can hear them even online. My name is Kristen. I am one of the pastors here. This is the last week of our summer series that we've been calling Solos. Pastor Naeem is in Michigan this week actually speaking to a church there. But he will be back next Sunday and we are starting a brand new series like Brian just told you that's called Too Much. I have to tell you, though, if you missed last week, make sure you go back and catch it. Pastor Mike gave an amazing, amazing message on Revelation, and he kept saying, what is God saying to you? Like he would teach, and then he would just stand there and stare at us and be like, no, really, what is God saying to you? And I was like, Mike, you're going to make people uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what you're doing right now. But I think God really did something last week through his message and in your hearts and in your lives, talking to so many of you in this past week. I know because you've told me. You've said that message was amazing. And God is doing things and he's saying things to me. And God is telling me a new thing, which is cool. But like, now what do I do with it? Now what do I do with it? And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. If you missed it, if you weren't here last week, you did not miss out. And maybe God has something that he wants to say to you this morning. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about something that happened to me at the library recently. I am a reader. I am a big-time reader. I probably go through a couple books a month. But there's something about summer where like, I allow myself to read fiction Like I'm one of those people that always has to take in content that's either like leadership principles. I read like stuff in the business world because I think that, I don't know, I'm like a CFO or something. (laughs) I read books about like Jesus and the history of like the church and the early church and all of this stuff. But when we go on vacation, we took a trip to to the beach, a family trip to the beach. That's when I like allow myself to relax and read fiction. And there's just something about being on the beach with like an actual book. Do you know what I'm talking about? That has like pages that you can turn. So I went, because that's, that's not my norm. So I went to the library and I was very ambitious and I thought I was gonna read four fiction books in one week while I was there with my young children and my husband. 
And so I took the stack of books over to the computer and I set them down like this. And I set them down and I typed in my library card number because I don't have any idea where my little card is and I had to like do the look up, you know. And I went to go pick up the first book to scan it and I had to do a double take back at the screen because all of a sudden all of my titles were just on there. And I was like, what just happened? I like had to double check. I'm like, what is going on? Is there like a little like library gremlin? Like what is happening? And I must have literally look, looked like so shook because the librarian came over and was like, no, like you're good, boo, you did it right. You did it right. I was like, I didn't do anything. That's the problem. I don't know what happened. All of my book titles are here and now they're just like on the screen. And so I see that you have some new kind of system. Apparently the mat that I set the books on just by magic, like shoots a laser beam or something through the books, like into the computer screen, like library magic. And I was like, that's cool. Good for your system. I don't understand that. And so I don't trust it. So can you go get me the little scanny guy thing or like the thing at the grocery store and I can just like boop, like boop, and then make sure that they're really in there. Cause I don't know exactly what's happening right now. And as I was driving home, even as I grabbed my sack and I was walking to the door, I was like, the librarian security is going to come get me. She's up to put that iced coffee down because I'm not sure that this actually registered. And as I was driving home, I just was laughing at myself. Some of you are laughing at me right now. It's fine. And I actually think God was laughing at me too, because we have that kind of relationship, me and God, where he will tell me things out of context just to be like, you're a crazy person. And this is actually what happened in that moment. So as I'm driving home, thinking about how weird this new library system was, God brought a verse to mind that's very out of context, but I'm going to tell you what it is. And in 2005, when we very first started Mosaic, this was a couple of verses that we used back in the day. It's from Isaiah 43. And it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you see what I'm saying? It's very out of context. But God was like, hey, dum-dum, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the old ways. Like, let's go. I'm going to teach you something in this moment. So when I actually found Mosaic in 2005, it was not a church yet. I met Naeem and Ashley and the launch team that was basically just a group of like 20-somethings that moved into my apartment building just by chance. And they had come to Charlotte to start Mosaic. And the tagline for Mosaic was, a new way to do church. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, they're meeting in a movie theater and a bar. I guess that's new. This music is, is like fun. It makes you kind of want to dance. I guess that's new. This pastor's like, he's, I don't know where he's from. Somewhere like over there where I think we had wars. He didn't grow up. He was a Muslim. Like, I guess that's new. I don't actually know what this new way to do church is. But I knew what the old way to do church was, and I was not about it. I was over it. I'd been in it my whole life, and I was stuck. And I felt like God was pulling me to this new thing. And so I decided to trust it and join the launch team, and they have not been able to get rid of me since 2005. <clears throat> so I really feel like in that moment, God was a little bit making fun of me for being stuck in my old 
library ways. And in context, what that passage actually means is Isaiah was a prophet, and so he was speaking to the Israelite people. He was reminding them of all of the things that God had already done in their lives, all of the things that he'd already brought them through, and reminding them of the promises that he still had for him, because they weren't seeing it yet. And maybe some of you can relate to the end of that passage where it says, away in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You're like, right, I can relate right now. I'm wandering in the desert. I feel like I am living in the wasteland. And it would be nice to have some kind of stream, a stream of money, a stream of better men, a stream of, or women, a stream of health, a stream of just like success for things to even just go my way just a little bit. See, the Israelites had been promised and they were looking for like the big victory, right? The one thing, the big change, the promised land. That was all that they were looking for. And God was like, not yet, not yet, because I'm here already. I'm moving among you now. I'm talking to you now and you are missing it. I want to do more for you. I'm about to do more for you, but I need you to hear me in the small things of what I'm saying to you now. And I think this morning, God could be saying the same thing to us. I think God could be saying to some of us, I am doing a new thing. Do you not see it? I want more for your life. I have more for your life. I have bigger victories and changes and things for your life, but I need you to just begin trusting me right now in the small things. I need you to be able to begin hearing my voice in the small moments. And I think it sounds crazy sometimes to think that God would speak to us and we would miss it, right? Like we want to go, of course, If God talked to me, like if he would just send an angel, like he used to do in old Bible days, that would be helpful. Then I would know for sure that it's him. But I think it happens all the time. Do you ever feel a nudge or like that little inner voice and you have to make a choice if you're going to listen to it or not, right? Maybe you're in a conversation with somebody, maybe something political comes up, you get that trigger word and you already have your response. You're like, as soon as they take a breath, I know exactly what I'm going to say. You already got it formulated in your mind and that little inner voice inside your head is like, don't say it, 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 don't say it. And you have to make the choice. Am I going to say the thing or am I going to trust this inner voice? Maybe you get caught. Maybe you drop the ball at work. Something happens. You get called out. You have to make the choice. Am I going to listen to that little inner voice that says just own it and own up to it? Or am I going to like, I mean, not why, but like just kind of like fib a little bit just to make myself or the situation look better. Here's what we can can all relate to since I was just, I have celebrations on the mind. I just had a birthday and thank you. We'll talk about that some more later, I'm sure. Um, But we go to restaurants, right? We go out to eat, we're celebrating, whatever. You get to that point and you sit back and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so full. I couldn't eat one more thing. Then the waitress comes over and she's like, okay, would you like to see the dessert menu or have one more cocktail? And you're like, no, yes, I would. (laughs) Right? These are all silly examples, but hopefully you can relate to at least one of those of going, okay, I have to make a decision in this moment. Am I going to do what's easier? Am I going to fall into an old habit? Or am I going to listen to that little voice inside of me? 
when I hear it, am I going to pretend like I don't hear it, or am I going to actually acknowledge and follow through? See, sometimes new things are exciting, but sometimes they scare us. Often I think we miss God speaking because when we do hear him, we're afraid that if we acknowledge his voice, then there's, we're going to have to follow through with action and make a change. Some of us fear change because we think it's pointless. We're like, what is even the point? The whole world is going to crap. Everything's falling apart. It doesn't even matter. God doesn't actually show up or do what he says. So why bother? Second Corinthians 416, Paul tells us this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. If you're taking notes, write that verse down. We're going to come back to this later. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. And some of you feel this because you can resonate with all of this. Everything is wasting away. My life is falling apart. Everything is broken. Everything just continues to go downhill. Every time I think we're making progress, we start to go backwards. So why bother working to better ourselves? Why bother making good choices or trying to be better people? It doesn't matter. But could it be possible? And even if you're not sure about God or religion or faith or his participation in your life, could it be possible that you are in this moment for a reason and that in this season and in this situation, as rough as it is, God still has something that he wants to say to you specifically in this moment or in this time? What could be different if you trusted that little voice inside of you. See, some of us fear change because we're afraid that it's going to unravel. We fear change because we're like, if this little thing changes, it's going to domino effect and wipe out our entire lives. <clears throat> Pastor Mike talked about this a little bit last week when he talked about some people, <clears throat> excuse me, some people are doing this with religion or with the Bible or with God where we're allowing God to open our eyes to see different things and show us new things that he's doing, but it scares you because some of those things that he's showing you were foundational and you have built so many of your other beliefs on top of it that you're afraid that if you change the one thing, everything is gonna shake and it's all gonna fall down. You might be living in this fear a little bit if you have ever had the thought, well, if this thing isn't fully true, then none of it is. Or if you're tempted to take the whole thing and throw it all away. I want to have a sidebar really fast just with the church people. So if you don't consider yourself a church person, you can like play Wordle or something really quick on your phone. Okay. Church people, really fast on this idea. I think that there are a lot of churches right now, we are in a shift. We are in a change. And I know that some of you can feel it and some of you can tell. There are a lot of churches right now that I think are stuck in this fear. They are stuck on tradition and nostalgia and the way things that have always been done. Because they are convinced that their Christianity is perfect because it's of God. So the Bible is perfect because it's of God and their interpretation is perfect because it's of God and their systems and their religion and their way of doing things are perfect because they're of God. But friends, Christianity has changed before. It's changed before multiple times and it is going to change 
again. It's actually happening. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of churches, it's not actually tradition that they're stuck in, but it's a fear of unraveling that's keeping them stuck from moving forward. And they could be blocking God's voice of saying, I am doing a new thing. Do you not see it? It happens outside of religion too, right? If you've ever tried to work something new, a new routine, a spiritual practice, going to the gym, getting more sleep, if you've ever tried to work something like that into your schedule or your routine, you know this, right? It's like, okay, well, I guess I could get up early and work out, but if I get up early and work out, then when am I gonna get my extra work done? And then I could maybe do it during lunch, but I really need to run errands, and I guess I could come home and do it after work, but that's what I need to be with the kids. Then I need to decompress, I have to wake up early. It's like we can't add one tiny little thing without messing up our entire lives, right? And if you're nodding your head, you may need to, let me encourage you to like study rest, control, you know, a couple of things maybe to look into. And some of us are afraid of change because you know you can do it. You know you can do it. You're good at change and you've done it before and you're like, please don't tell anybody that I can. Because <laughs> I don't actually want them to know. If you've ever you made a big life change, maybe you've gotten healthy, you've lost a lot of weight, you've gotten out of a bad situation or a bad relationship. Maybe you've quit some kind of habit or behavior that was not good for your life. And you're like, look at me, this is amazing. But after a week or maybe a month, you're like, man, this is hard. <laughs> and you have to keep up with it because then we, re we understand that change requires us to keep sacrificing, to keep working hard, to keep living up to the new person that we've become. It's easier to stay the same and just like keep everybody's expectations low, you know? It's easier that way. But see, God's expectations of you are already higher. His expectations of you are already higher and it's not because he wants you to do and be and achieve so many things up here but it's because he knows the potential that is already within you to become your best self. I'm gonna teach you a Hebrew word. It's the word tov, say tov. Tov. Tov is often translated to good, but it actually means more than that. It's actually about becoming good. And we first see it in Genesis and the creation story. And we're gonna look at day three in Genesis one. I'm gonna read you verses 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Some of you are like, you just read the same thing twice. Why did it end differently? These are very similar verses, but let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you the difference between verse 11 and verse 12. In verse 11, God created the plants and the fruits, and they had seeds in them. The potential for them to produce more and to produce more good was there, but it was just there, and so it was so. In verse 12, it actually started to happen. In verse 12, the plants and the fruit trees brought forth and they grew and they produced and they had more plants with seeds in them and more fruit with seeds in them and they started the process of becoming. 
The potential for continued growth wasn't just there, but it was actually put in motion. It produced more that would produce more that would produce more for unlimited potential. It wasn't that the creation of the plants themselves was good, but it was when they became good. It was their process of becoming that made them tove. And God's design for people, I think, is very, very much the same. It's very much the same. He always wants us to keep growing. I just had a birthday. Like I told you, I might tell you again, it was a big one, okay? New decade. Why did I have a birthday? Why does God let us keep having birthdays year after year so we can have cake once a year? No, because he wants us to continue the process of growing. God was like, you are not done yet. So I need you to have another birthday so you can keep growing, keep becoming. Think about even your bodies. Your hair never stops growing. Okay, hang on, actually, some of you, that's not a good example. Your nails. Your nails never stop growing. God's design for you isn't to be so. His design for you isn't just to be created and be there. It's to be tove. It's to keep becoming. And God also gave us the potential to produce more things. Not tasks, not achievements, not successes, but to produce life and hope and love and light in other people. Look up and do the Google on fruits of the spirit later. These are the things that we are supposed to be producing. Parents, if you have kids, you know you have already produced the potential for more good in the world and it is in there in some of your kids. And some of it, it hasn't been awakened yet but that potential is still in there. Hang on, see that joke didn't land as well. Give it a second, give it a second. I know some of your kids. Jesus loves all of them. But it's not just for parents, right? If you're a mentor, if you're a teacher, if you're a leader in any capacity, if you're a boss, if you're an employer, every time that you have a conversation with someone else, that someone feels that you are a safe space where they can ask questions. Every time you teach or model or pour into someone, you are instilling tove in them. You are developing their tove. You are nurturing their becoming. Jesus even said it in Matthew. He was like, do you want to know who my disciples are? The people that are becoming more like me? He didn't say we will know them by their bumper stickers, or the way that they vote, or what flags that they fly, or the things that they say. He said, you will know them by their fruit, by what we produce. That's what makes us tove. See, we have a twisted view of what's good. We, humans, don't call something good unless it's actually perfect. We won't call something good unless it's perfect. God calls something good when it has the potential and it lives into its potential. When it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. We are looking for perfection. Some of you are afraid to do a new thing because you are afraid that it won't be perfect. God is not asking you to have the right answer or to change and be perfect or to go from point A to point B. He is just asking you to lean in to your potential. And in order to produce, right, a potential for new good, we have to first preserve that which is already in us. There's P words here in case you missed it. So first we're going to produce potential 
and now we have to preserve the good that's already in us. In Matthew 9, Jesus says this, and then I'll explain it. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. All right, a little viticulture corner for you. Let me teach you about wine, how wine is made, so that maybe you can understand how this works. Wine is made, they basically take grapes, they squish the grapes, juice comes out, that juice ferments, and when it ferments, it produces gases. Okay, what I do know about science is that gases like do this. That's this technical like, they go like this, okay? So what happens is as it ages, as the sugars turn into alcohol, the space that it needs to take up expands. Keep that in your brain. Wine skins back in the day were basically like little leather pouches. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, you have to take new wine and put it in a new wineskin because as the wineskins, the leather pouches got old, they would stretch, they would have cracks, they could dry out from the heat, they would get brittle, and they would be just close enough to breaking, like they could hold the old wine that's like in there just sitting and chilling. He's like, if you put new wine in there, the old wineskin cannot hold it. It is no longer going to be able to contain what you're putting in. It is going to break. In scripture, wine also often represented the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. The Holy Spirit is the way that we get to hold on to God in our everyday lives. After Jesus went up to heaven, he was like, don't be sad that I'm gone. I mean, you can be a little bit sad, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's gonna help you. He's gonna be with you forever. So Jesus is saying, if you want to preserve that within you, if you want to preserve what's good, God's presence within you, then you might actually have to be the new thing. You might have to be the new wineskin so that you can contain me. You have to be able to be flexible and to stretch and to adapt to growth. And it might look different for different people. At the time, Jesus was talking to people who were very, very religious. They believed very specific things. They had rules. They had laws. They believed for years and years and years that God's presence was only to be attained by certain people. It was only in certain places. It could only be in certain containers. Only certain people had access to it. There were a lot of hoops to jump through in order to even be in that presence of God. And Jesus showed up and he was like, listen, I've changed all that. I've changed that. You no longer have to contain God's presence in this thing. I have made a way so that not only can you connect to him personally, but he's available to everybody and you get to be the new container that holds him. He says, I cannot fit in this old, brittle, rigid wineskin. You need to be the new container that will hold his presence. And I think some of you right now feel this pressure because you're trying to pour new wine into an old wineskin. And you feel the pressure, like everything is about to break. Maybe the thing that you're looking for and that you want is freedom. And you're like, man, I just really need to live my life. I need some freedom. But then you're staying in a controlling, toxic environment that's boxing you in or a relationship that you think you've put boundaries out there on, you think you've made boundaries with this person, but you still let their voice kind of dictate 
your thoughts and your things in your mind. So you can't hold freedom if you're letting someone else contain you. Some of you, maybe you're looking for peace. You're like, okay, I don't even need freedom. I just need peace. I need to be able to breathe. Like everything is stressful. The world is heavy. But then your current thought process is so chaotic that it doesn't allow you to deviate into new thoughts. It doesn't allow you to have any grace for yourself. You can't mess up. And you're unable to hold peace because of the way that you see yourself, the way that you talk to yourself, the expectations that you put on yourself. You aren't actually the kind of person that can contain peace because you are still living as an old wineskin. Some of you maybe are just trying to receive this love of God or maybe even love of other people that you hear about and you're like, man, that sounds so nice just can't, I don't know. I don't feel it. I don't know if God actually likes me. I don't know if he actually loves me. And you want to receive it, but you can't because this new God that you've heard about, this loving, compassionate, forgiving God who gives you grace upon grace doesn't fit into your old ideology of a God who just is a, a punisher, who wants to just catch you. He's overbearing and his old point is to watch you live so that you can mess up and he can go, aha, I knew you couldn't live up to that. It doesn't make sense. God wants better for you and he has better for you, but you might not be ready to hold whatever that thing is yet. See, God wants you to preserve what's good and to hold on to him. But in order to do that, the thing that needs to change and become new might be you. There are verses, so many verses in the Bible that are about change, and I think they can be a little misleading. I'm gonna read you one anyway. It's a good one. It's from 2 Corinthians 5. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And this is a great verse, right? This is a great verse. We use it for baptisms. We use it when people start their relationship with Jesus. It's a great verse. We are new in Christ. The old is gone. But how many of you know it's not actually that simple? <laughs> it's not actually that simple. I love Jesus. I try to be more and more like Jesus every single day. But old Kristen is still here, y'all. She is still here. It doesn't matter how many birthdays I'm going to have, old Kristen still pops up. Because finding Jesus and knowing Jesus didn't stop me from sinning. Getting baptized didn't stop me from sinning. Getting ordained, I'm sorry to tell you, didn't stop me from sinning. Old Kristen is always going to be here because it's up to me to make the choice. Am I going to listen to the little voice? Am I going to follow God? Am I going to try every day to try to be more like Jesus? You do get to be a new thing in Christ, but it is a process. Say process, that's your next P word, process. It's the process of becoming. Now there is a symbol of change that I think is pretty well recognized. Anybody have a guess what it is? They teach it in school, like you were a thing and now you're a thing. I'll just say it because we're timer clocking around the it's a butterfly, thank you, thank you. A little delayed, but I appreciate the effort. A butterfly, how many of you have seen a butterfly used as the example of change, right? You're like, oh, we have a caterpillar 
Then it like gets all fat and happy and it gets in its little cocoon and then it changes and then it's a butterfly. And we love to use that. Some, I know people have butterfly tattoos. Please don't come talk to me after service. Okay. But we love that. We love it because we're like, butterflies are beautiful. Come on, girl, spread your wings. Soar, like, go do your thing. But I think I actually found a better representation of what we are. Because I am sorry to tell you, you are not a butterfly. You are this. You are this ugly little rat lizard thing that's called an axolotl. Give me the next one. That's what you are, guys. This is your new self-portrait right here. Now, some of them are cute. Show them my version. There we go. (laughs) This is an axolotl. I know, it's a weird-looking little creature. But here's the cool thing about axolotls. Axolotls are regenerative. They are regenerative. What that means is, if they lose a limb, it will grow back. If they lose their tail, it will grow back. And not just in, like, matter, but also in functionality. If they lose half of their brain, it will grow back and continue to work. You you guys can take it down. But basically what happens is, they're saying that no matter what happens to them, whatever pain they go through, whatever hurt, whatever loss, they refuse to stay that way. They refuse to just be so. They regrow, they regenerate, and they get better. And this is crazy. When something threatens to take them out, did you know that certain lizards can actually like sacrifice part of themselves and release a part of their body? So if there's a predator that's like got their arm or something's trying to weigh them down, they could just sit there and go, oh, I guess this bad thing is happening to me. Not axolotls. They're like, not today, Satan, take my leg. Because guess what? I'm going to regrow it. I know that I can be better, and I have the potential for new things. They sacrifice part of themselves because they know the potential for what they can be. They can be new again. Some of you are loving this. You're like, yeah, old is gone, new has come. God is doing a new thing. But you can't live into it if you won't let the old broken things go. You want to believe it. You want to have this new life, but you are actually walking around carrying and picking up all of the things that you think you've let go. You're like, oh, I have a new perspective. I think about people differently, but I'm just going to pick up this, what I think about this group of people over here. I'm just going to like pick up this behavior over here. Listen, here's like what I really think about God now, but I can't, I can't get away from this old spiritual practice. So I'm just going to pick it up. I'm just going to carry it around. And some of you want to be new. You think you've let things go and you're walking around just holding on to your collection of old, dead, broken stuff. And God is not in the business of taking your outgrown, broken pieces and attaching them to your body for you to carry around for the rest of your life. That is not how he fixes these ugly little lizards, and it is not how he's going to take care of you. You want to know how I know? My daughter Margo is six and a half. She has two loose teeth. She wiggles those two teeth all day long. When she's supposed to be eating breakfast, wiggling her teeth. When she's supposed to be brushing her teeth, wiggling her teeth. That's all she does, wiggle those teeth. And one day, soon, those teeth are going to fall out. You want to know what's not going to happen? When those teeth fall out of her mouth, I'm not going to go over to her and go, Margo, 
Oh, it's so exciting. Let me see your tooth. Okay, let me have it. Now open your mouth because I'm going to shove it back up in there. Absolutely not. If your mom takes care of you that way, please come see me afterwards, okay? We have some words. But that's, and we laugh because we know that's ridiculous, but that's what some of you are trying to do. You're like, I've gotten rid of this thing. This is no longer suiting me. This is broken. This is old. This no longer works, but I just want to like hold on to it. Let it go. You outgrow things for a reason, and it may be to make space for the new thing that God has for your life. Remember, 2 Corinthians, outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Where might God be trying to do a new thing in your life, but because you thought you were a butterfly, you're like, I already did it. I already changed, check off the list. I've heard from him before, check off the list. I'm already new in Christ, check off the list. Well, guess what? God wants to speak to you every single day of your life. He wants to be involved in every single step and process of your life. That's what a relationship with God is. It is not a one and done. It is not a pray a prayer and I got it. Get baptized and I'm good. In a sense, yes, theologically, we can talk about that later but we get to change and become every single day. And you can change. You can change. You can change every day and you probably do. You change your outfit. You change your style. You change your clothes. You change your mood. You change your appetite. But guess what? You're still the exact same person. What you need to actually do is join in the process of transforming. That happens from the inside out with God, the Holy Spirit, helping you. There's a passage in Ephesians 4. This is the message translation because this just sums up everything we've talked about today so well. It says, you learned Christ. He's talking to a church. He says, my assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new, what? An entirely new way of life a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. See, transformation is the process of becoming like Christ day after day. And let me say it again, God does not expect you to change once and be perfect. He's inviting you into the process, into a new way of life. A way of life that lives up to the potential to become good and produce more good by preserving what matters, but by renewing, growing, and changing in all of the places that keep us from being like Christ. See, 16 years ago, I don't think Mosaic was actually doing a new thing. <laughs> I think we thought we were. 
Mosaic wasn't actually doing a new thing, but God was. And God still is. And at Mosaic, we are not afraid of it. Sometimes we feel a little bit crazy. (laughs) Sometimes, if y'all could see us in our staff prayer meetings, we're like, God, are you sure? Like nobody else is doing it like this. Nobody else is doing it this way. We're getting a lot of emails about the way that you're telling us to do these things. God, are you sure? We feel like we're nuts. And he just keeps saying, this is the way, this is the process. Keep becoming, keep following after me. And we as a staff are committed to just do that, to ask him where he's going and then to follow his leading. What could the church become if we allowed it to evolve? What could we as Christians, as believers, look like if we allowed our faith to evolve? I'm gonna pray for us in just a second. And right after we do that, we're gonna sing one more song for what we call our response time. And my challenge to you, if God said something to you today, and I, I hope that he did, feel free to sit with that. You can stand and sing. But my challenge to you too is this. Don't, um, whatever you think the benefit is to staying stuck, think about why. Whatever the benefit is, whatever the thing is that's telling you like, no, you don't need to change. Just stay where you are. Because there's gonna be a good reason. You're gonna come up with good reasons for why you don't have to change anything and you can just be exactly where you are. But I would say examine those and take them to God and ask him if he agrees with that. And maybe this morning he's already brought something up to you and he's telling you this is the thing that you're stuck in. And I would encourage you to, if you're on live stream, put it in the chat, ask somebody to go into a private prayer room. There are people there available to pray with you privately. If you're here, go over to the cross. We've got post-its. Just write down that thing that is keeping you stuck and stick it on the cross and leave it here. Maybe for some of you, you need to go take communion and remember how much God does actually love you and receive that love because it was Jesus's blood on the cross. It was Jesus's sacrifice. That's God's way of saying to us, hey, little axolotl, regenerate, become, keep going, throw off who you were, forget about who you think you're supposed to be, and grow into who you really are. Grow into who I made you to become because I want to do a new thing in you. Will you stand and I'll pray for us. God, I thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing, for the ways that you're moving. God, the things that you're speaking to us corporately, God, and the things that you're speaking to us privately, God, in our most intimate, innermost hearts and thoughts. God, I pray that whatever might be blocking us from seeing you, from hearing your voice, God, that you would not only show us what those things are so that we can acknowledge them, so that we can face them, but God, that you would also give us the courage to challenge them and to maybe be able to confidently step closer to you and away from anything or anyone, God, that is blocking us from seeing you work in our lives or from hearing your voice in our lives. God, we love you. You are good. In your name we pray.
Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.